I say that you're a terrible reporter. That's what I say. Have a nice dinner. Relax. 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 Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Shock Therapy, episode 21. We're legal, baby. We out here legal. Except yes. that won't make sense if you're uh, listening from outside of the U.S., but... Right. Good call, for sure. Our listeners in Europe, I know we have several countries represented, are like, bitch, I've had wine since I was nine. Like, get <laughs> with it. Seriously. So, today we got quite the fiery episode for you, uh, we are going to kind of bake in our, our news updates as a part of our kind of episode theme today. Uh, but just a quick kind of reminder for our new listeners uh, here at Shock Therapy, we cover a wide range of current events and pepper in some spirituality, of course, cover the conspiracy theories of the moment and our of course, banter that you keep coming back for, for our veteran <laughs> listeners. So really glad to have you all here listening to us as we dive on in to a very burning episode. You may get mad at me for doing this, but my co-host shared with me that before uh, the episode she said her throat was hurting because she was uh, singing to uh, some old, some old hits, some uh, some screamo, some screamo, screamo hits, oh, some emo, <laughs> maybe some Taking Back Sunday, some Fall Out Boy, Ooh, some Atreyu. I like that. Ooh. Yeah, so I'm gonna sound yeah. raspy as fuck. I'm gonna sound like I've been breathing in that smoky air. <laughs> Um, but on a not funny note, my poor co-host really has been breathing in that air. You were just really dedicated to try to get on, get on my level. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. But yeah, on that, on that note, uh, for, for those of you who don't follow the news and <laughs> bless you, get your only source of news from us. Uh, <laughs> yes, it has been a wild, wild week out west so at the very beginning of our last episode we like briefly briefly touched on this that the summer has been wild weather wise in the american west we specifically mentioned that denver uh, saw temps go from the 90s and smoky one day to 30s and snowy the next uh, so I know my host and I were sharing some, uh, TikToks and stuff like that, uh, of some folks in Colorado that posted that. And it's just incredibly trippy to see these really shocking swings that set records like throughout the West and the, the Midwest, uh, like complete, uh, like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde swings weather-wise. So this event that we mentioned last week that caused a drastic dip in the jet stream, it's amplified by these super typhoons that are 6,000 miles away, striking Japan and North Korea. 
check out our <laughs> collective synchronicity episode if you want more on the uh, interconnectedness of extreme weather and cultural climate. Uh, as a reminder, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. We're interconnected. Hashtag, that's science. Yes, we interconnected here big time on this planet. So in any event, back to the West. Uh, so this past week, the same event um, referring to led to a historic heat dome that ratcheted up temps, uh, just shattering records throughout the West, Oregon, California, and beyond. As one example, L.A. County hit 121 degrees, an mm. all-time record. Fahrenheit. Uh, just... <laughs> Fahrenheit, y'all. Fahrenheit. Shit, if that was Celsius, <laughs> you'd be on a whole nother plane on the river, on the boat to the river Hades for sure. Um, and so that all-time record of 121 Fahrenheit, that was as, of course, naturally three out of four of California's biggest fires ever in history burned. So just a quick little little nugget on California, the, the golden state. Hey, all quick note, we might end up with a little bit of a weird edit because my dear co-host just had a spooky technological breakdown. We were talking about how if 121 degrees was Celsius, that we would all be on a boat to the river Hades. And as soon as I said Hades, uh, my co-host computer malfunctioned which is <laughs> we know we on several lists but this is a another level now they flexing uh, on us really flexing <laughs> but yeah my recording device literally was like ugh, it's hard to explain but like as we go on it tracks the minutes it keeps time obviously but it started going to negative minutes and changing time in nonsensical manners and yeah, sometimes weird things happen when we try to record this podcast. But we just take it as a sign of, we know we got people out there listening and after us, but that means we on the right track. So we're going to keep it going here. So as we were just saying, LA County, they hit 121 degrees Fahrenheit, all-time record. That's as three out of four of California's biggest fires in history burned. Wow. So a little bit about the Golden State there. This movement, this drastic undulation in the jet stream impacted by these typhoons across the Pacific. So this was coming down along the continental divide, right? In the middle of the country, uh, in the foothills of, of Colorado. This actually also pushed, this very same event I'm talking about here, pushed a major wind event to the west. So as Colorado saw this bonker swing in temps, summer one day, winter the next, this very same movement caused a historic wind event in the Pacific Northwest. So wind gusts were up to 60 miles per hour. They exploded through canyons, compressing and, and warming the air and pushing the fires even further westward because there are been fires scattered throughout the state for weeks and weeks now. So these roaring hot east winds, the worst in like 30 plus years in some areas, uh, essentially made a bad situation, uh, well, catastrophic. So with bone dry vegetation, low humidity, these wildfires uh, already in Oregon shot up in flames. So to date, as we talk to you now on 
Sunday, September the 13th, in the year of our Lord 2020, mm-hmm. uh, 500,000 Oregonians have been under evacuation orders or warnings. Uh, just so you know, that's about 10% of the state's population, mm-hmm. um, as over uh, 1 million acres have burned. So Governor Kate Brown, you know, solemnly came out a couple days ago to say that, you know, we should expect, like, likely this will be a mass casualty incident. So the death toll right now is already uh, 33 throughout the uh, entire West as of this recording. But, you know, surely, grimly, this will rise as authorities, of course, you know, begin moving back into the fire-ravaged communities uh, and and whatnot. Um, You know, of course, dozens remain, you know, missing as these casualties will continue to mount. Not to mention that as Oregon does burn, uh, six of its largest firefighting helicopters, they're called CH-47 Chinooks for our aviation nerds, they, all six of them, are in Afghanistan at the request of Trump's Department of Defense, all while prisoners are forced to help fight these fires for peanuts on the dollar. So, okay, we're talking, yeah, I know, like just add it to the list, right? So I recognize that for our international listeners and hell, maybe even some of our domestic listeners may not really know much about this Oregon place I'm referring to. Uh, So just to step back a little bit, I just want to provide a teeny bit of context about the state of Oregon. Uh, So Oregon's in between California and Washington on the West Coast. Portland is its largest city. So essentially the way the state is set up, there's the Cascade Mountain Range dividing the state between the high desert east and then the lush densely populated valley to the west. So Portland, where I'm at and where we've had an episode about, is in the northwest part of the state, which usually is too wet to burn, rarely seeing wildfires uh, this extensive. Currently, I'm looking out the window right now, this area is a straight up tinderbox hellscape right now. So Portland, where I am, Oregon's largest city has now had the worst air quality of any major city in the world for about five days running now. So just a little bit of context about the state, uh, stepping back a little bit here. So the wildfires, you know, throughout the West have been like the leading global story now for about five days for good reason. We've seen, you know, the governors of California, Oregon, Washington, all come out publicly to like vocally connect the dots, right? Between the historic and extreme conditions of this season and where we find ourselves present day, and of course, like the grander impacts of climate change. Um, as all of this has been happening, a firestorm of a different sort altogether blew through. Facebook, YouTube, and Reddit, uh, dangerously complicating an already dire emergency. So to set this up a little bit, go back to, I feel like I'm the number one fanboy of Naomi Klein. As (laughs) Naomi Klein tweeted on Friday, from COVID to climate, every disaster contains every other disaster within it. 
every fire is a conflagration of all the other fires. <sighs> so to get to this second disaster here, not unlike the, uh, you know, Russian nesting dolls, uh, with the scene set on the primary wildfire disaster in Oregon. Let's take a closer look now. My co-host and I are going to unpack yet another disaster within it that played out over the past week. What I'm referring to is the Antifa arson rumors. Before I jump into this, I just want to get a kind of a quick hot take from my co-host on the Antifa arson rumors. What have you heard? What are your main impressions? Any key takeaways before we dive into that? Um, well, I think we read the same article, at least one of the same articles about it. Um, you know, I really, I really think the truth is so complicated. And I think we do have a mix um, of natural or geoengineered disaster, which I want to get into later. But and then people extremists on both sides. So Antifa and also Proud Boys as radical individuals setting small fires. They are getting arrested. Um, but I think, you know, these are more about like bad apple individuals. I mean, we always talk about like Antifa just is supposed to stand for anti-fascist, right? Like it's not mm -hmm. really one group and that's why it's so hard to define them. Um, but yeah, I think it's probably rotten apples on both sides of the extremes. Fair enough. Thank you for that. Yeah. So to, to step into this a little bit further, uh, there's this reporter, this guy, uh, Ollie Brayland, uh, he wrote this article for Mother Jones. Uh, basically, RT, which is a, a Russian state-controlled media outlet, used to be called uh, Russia Today, now shortened to RT. They posted this dubious article uh, linking Antifa to the wildfires. This was, uh, I believe, on uh, Wednesday, this past Wednesday. So this article, Russian Troll Farm, circulated around and prompted a viral post in Law Enforcement Today, uh, which is supposedly like, uh, you know, it's very like written by police officers and very like kind of Blue Lives Matter vibes, if I'm being honest. Mm -hmm. So Law Enforcement Today picked it up as well as this, uh, this person, Katie Davis Court, who's associated with the pro-Trump org Turning Point USA. So the damage was already done, right? You get it into the hands of a couple mouthpieces that are somewhat legitimized, uh, these pseudo outlets or pseudo voices that have some traction, have some followers. And the damage is kind of already done at that point, right? Once you kind of put something on the table and slide it across the table, right? So of course, as we've seen many times in the last few years, countless right-wing sources began like spreading these baseless claims that Antifa members have been arrested for arson. Uh, things spiral out of control on Facebook, naturally, and other social media platforms uh, from there. And the Zuck lets just it happen. Sorry, I just have What's to that? add, the Zuck lets that stay up, but he, or make, takes that down, sorry. He takes that those things down, but lets pedophilia or pedophiles like stay on Facebook. Hmm. 
think about that. Yeah. On that note, can you imagine being like in the content moderation teams at Facebook? Like, what are those meetings like? Like, I just imagine like a smoke filled room with like various villains, like one from the underworld, one with an eye patch, like one, a couple <laughs> aliens. Like, it's just like a like ragtag band of misfits. But yeah, to my co-host's point, like, yeah, highly, highly questionable uh, <laughs> tactics there on the Zuck front for sure. Um, so, you know, just to be clear, like as of right now, yes, there have been a handful of legitimate arrests of various arsonists, right? That has happened. There have been arrests. People have been arrested for arson. However, at this point, there's no evidence, right? That any of these arrests, any of these people that were arrested are linked to Antifa or really any other shared ideological lines for that matter, right? So we have this echo chamber all around the internet, right? Three, four days have gone by with all of these rumors about Antifa, arsonists. So several sheriffs in Oregon, various counties in Oregon publicly, publicly came out to denounce the rumors. The FBI stepped forward to denounce the rumors and to clarify that posts linking Antifa to the wildfires are untrue. Facebook moved on Saturday to remove the posts but it was far too fucking late, right? As we know, the nature of things going viral, if something's up for three days, I mean, that's a lifetime. <laughs> things <laughs> go viral within a matter of six hours, 12 hours, 24 hours, right? Like three days. I mean, 72 hours, girl, like what? Like Yesterday's so, news. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So finally, that's yesterday, right? Facebook finally came forward to say, uh, according to law enforcement professionals, we have deemed uh, by our third-party fact-checkers. So they, they took it down. But as we know, like, right, it was fucking far too late. So back to this theme that my co-host has talked about, I've talked about, of, like, this weaponization of, like, kernels of truth, right? Like, so were there arsonists? Yes. This is not up for debate. And it's confirmed by several legitimate news outlets. Yes, there were arsonists. There were arsonists arrested. Were the arsonists linked to Antifa? Negativo. But the arrests themselves were leveraged to spread misinformation. So I want to kind of pop this over to my co-host here. So you've mentioned this whole kernels of truth phenomenon before related to QAnon. I'm just curious if you care to comment like on how, from your opinion, as an observer, as a savvy media consumer, as a writer, care to comment on like how this whole kernels of truth phenomenon gets traction or, or maybe even just like why conspiracies may be especially compelling when some, but not all of the elements are factual. Well, humans love a good story, right? Wink, wink. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and they're compelled by emotions. And um, like we talked about with Shadowgate, uh, we know that the, the, there's people, um, the IIA are literally, creating tailor-made propaganda based on big data that lets them know what type of person you are and what emotional triggers would work for you. So um, I think, you know, the narratives that are, we have to think of the narratives that are already at play because we're talking about the fires, but you have to remember in context, this is going on as there were still a ton of protests and the fed goons were there and uh, allegedly there's still a pandemic going on, which I cannot, cannot say, but all these things are like happening at the same time. 
And so, um, obviously, they're going to use the latest disaster, this fire, to be politically motivated on either side. So, um, I, like I said, I think the same themes that were already happening um, and, like, you know, Trump's base versus liberals, like, anything that was already going on was being weaponized in this context, too, I think. Fate, like, sort mm-hmm. of answer your question. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Totally. And yeah. And as you call out, right, this is very much like the scene of the crime. What I mean by that is this is already the fires in Oregon are taking place in the very place where there has been so much focus. There has been so much attention. There has been so much debate and rhetoric, right, around the protests in Portland, Oregon. So in, in many ways, it feeds the flames if you will there's gonna be a lot of fucking fire metaphors in this episode but yeah it just as you said it it already ratchets it ratchets up like what was underway not even five days ago five ten days ago you know uh and this has been brewing as we mentioned and for our folks who are new listeners we recommend checking out the fed goons out of portland episode uh from earlier this summer about what's been going on uh in Portland, as it has been a Antifa boogeyman place for uh, several years now. Uh, so cool. Yeah, thank you for that. I, I totally agree. Um, so we have, you know, these historic wildfires marching dozens of miles in a matter of hours. This one, the uh, Beachy Creek, went 55 miles within a matter of like 10, 12 hours. Really like unthinkable. Uh, fed by these eastern winds. We have tragic, widespread loss of life and property, major displacement of people, including, of course, vulnerable populations, as well as prisoners in a pandemic. Um, We have, you know, first responders working tirelessly uh, with the 911 lines jammed. And now this, like, dangerous campaign of misinformation inflaming this culture war, in the home stretch of a brutal election cycle. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? Hmm. Well, apparently a lot. Apparently a lot. So I just want to kind of rattle off what on the ground here in the state, what the rumors caused. So these these rumors circulating online on the web, how they translated to action on the ground in Oregon. So for one these Antifa arson rumors inspired a band of misfits uh, to do spontaneous militia-style checkpoints throughout the state. So imagine these armed with guns, AR-15s, these far-right civilians. Again, they're not police officers. They're not emergency, emergency personnel. They're just regular Joes. Uh, Well, not regular shows, but you know what I mean? They are with their guns setting up these checkpoints, these militia-style checkpoints in a few places around the state, stopping motorists to engage in this, like, intimidation, uh, turning away, like, people that seem like outsiders, supposed outsiders, out of this fear that the people driving, minding their own business or trying to escape or whatever, that they were... Antifa arsonists. So these men brandishing guns, stopping these motorists, intimidating them, 
asking them questions, asking them where they're going, asking if they're a part of Antifa, taking photographs of their license plates, verbal assaults. I mean, this is like some Mad Max Fury Road shit. Can you imagine? You're with your family. You're with some people. You're trying to flee a wildfire. And you get stopped by some like MAGA hat wearing, uh, military vest, AR-15 holding dudes with Oakleys. Like, can you imagine? Like, how, like, what would you think if you rolled up to this scene? It's like smoky haze, and you see the like a bunch of these white dudes again, not military personnel, not police officers, asking you to roll down your fucking window. Like, how would you react to that? <laughs> well, I'm probably the worst person you can ask because. I have a real problem with authority and I would probably get into it with them. But since I'm not packing heat, it would not be a pretty ending for me. I'm sure. Um, Mm -hmm. Cause you know, I mean, that being said, I am white and it would be a totally different experience as BIPOC getting stopped by them. So I have to say that first and foremost, but You know, I still wouldn't just be like, oh, nothing to see here, folks. I'm one of you. I came on the Oregon Trail. What are you talking about? (laughs) I came with my cornmeal and my horse and buggy and my black bean. Several people of my family that perished in the Idaho Valley. Of dysentery? (laughs) Of dysentery? That's real. That's fucking real. <laughs> that like the survival instinct in the moment just to like, yeah, of course, when people have guns and you're, you don't. <laughs> um, yeah, I totally get that. I would be pretty baffled. Like, I feel like I'm not lost for words too often, but I feel like I would be pretty definitely panic, but like maybe even speechless uh, being like rapid fire interrogated by someone who's fucking hands are resting on an AR-15 as I'm like in my vehicle, you know, with my people. So with your water uh, gun, what's that with your water gun (laughs) with my, with my super circer 500. (laughs) Yes, for sure. (laughs) Little do they know I had to take a leak and I just filled this bad boy (laughs) up. And so they're about to get rained on. No, I mean, that would be, that'd be pretty dope. But yeah, so we have these militia style checkpoints popping up around the state. Uh, We have Clackamas County Sheriff's deputy was placed on leave. So this is a pretty like high ranking person in one of the most affected counties just outside of Portland. He was placed on leave because he spread these Antifa rumors in a viral video. So we had these viral rumors. Well, then there was a cell phone video of him speaking about these Antifa arsonists. He's representing law enforcement. So this went viral. He got fucking, he's certainly not going to get fired because what police, police officers get fucking fired this day and age, but he's placed on administrative leave. So he's probably doing some desk work for 42 hours, you know, before people forget. So anyway, we have these checkpoints. We have this sheriff's deputy viral video basically continuing to spread these Antifa arson rumors in the worst county impacted by these fires, mind you. Additionally, what else do we have on the ground in Oregon? We have the Oregon fire marshal, who's basically the top dog. Uh, I always think of top dog lawyer. Uh, <laughs> in, there's like this SNL sketch about a Russian... Uh, Village. Anyway, 
Oregon Fire Marshal is the top dog in terms of fire response in the state. The the head honcho, this guy, Oregon Fire Marshal Jim Walker, he abruptly resigned over the weekend, hours after being placed on administrative leave. So again, we're in the worst fire crisis in modern Oregon history. The top fire official in the state resigns. Sketchy. So... (sighs) He's been placed by this like badass uh, Latina uh, representative who's very capable and very well versed. And so while there's no clear details about his departure, of course, the rumor mill online, I was going through tweets before this, speculates that he was attempting to expose widespread arson throughout the state, Mm. which that, of course, has been fueled by this whole Antifa arson misinformation spreading. So we got a sheriff's deputy's viral video. We have the top fire official in the state abruptly resigning following administrative leave. We also have Republican Michael Cross, who is actively running for Oregon attorney general, the top legal role in November's election. He posted on Facebook this past week that the fires are clearly arson which constituted domestic terrorism and stated he'd heard of 14 people involved in starting fires. He told OPB, Oregon Public Broadcasting, the affiliate of uh, public radio, uh, that it seems like some of these are organized. I don't know that Antifa's behind it. I think that somebody's behind it because it seems organized for it to all happen at once. That's what he told OPB. So he has no evidence. This guy who's running for the top lawyer job in Oregon has no evidence other than a hunch. This of course, further emboldens other people, (laughs) the peanut gallery, the militia people to vocalize their unfounded hunches. Right? So like with all these many voices in concert and especially several people who hold positions of power, public positions of power in Oregon, all of these voices in concert, it can feel like united, right? It, I'm not saying they're legitimate, but it perceptions everything, right? It lends this almost air of legitimacy uh, to the rumors, which again, the main outlet that gave this traction uh, was the uh, Law Enforcement Today outlet. Uh, so then you have all of these law enforcement fire and fire folks and now legal uh professionals running for elected office all sort of echo chambering this thread of antifa arson so pretty wild that you know there's many instances i guess over the years of like okay online rumor mill but to be in a state where there is massive devastation in the middle of a pandemic in the middle of major civil rights uprising right in a in a city in that state that is has such focused attention right uh the world over especially out of 45's mouth and then to see all these like influential people parroting these unsubstantiated rumors which is not serving the precious time and resources of like the first responders on the fucking ground trying to help people evacuate trying to help people to safety um, is pretty baffling just to see this play out so quickly. But like, this is just the sign of the times, right? It's like 
we are, I feel like this whole decade has been leading up to this moment of like, uh, the internet went from, you know, the early 2010s of like this utopian kind of tech attitude of like, oh, all these social media platforms and all these technology companies, they are uh, advancing us as a culture, as a species, as a society. But it's like where we find ourselves now is like, yeah, this fucking Russian troll farm spouted out this baseless rumor and then cut to literally 24 hours later people on the ground who have influence to help people out in this fire are parroting the same shit isn't that wild it really is wild but i mean not to fully play devil's advocate but like it it is at least to me like really curious and suspicious that like at least 14 people have been arrested because like those are the facts, right? Everything else is conjecture. Cause like you said, there's no evidence to, you know, pin it on Antifa or proud boys, um, wanting to fuck up a liberal state or, you know, so I don't know. It's, it's very, it's something, something's going on with that too. Like, is it a few bad apples or is this, organized like George Soros is that you I mean I know you made a pretty good case right now that like you know we don't have proof but uh, do you think like that's a little weird that people are getting arrested for starting fires well you know I did a little bit of an inquiry into arson and like motivations behind arson and I by no means can like spout off a lot of this like research and data and shit. Uh, but it is true that there's like a psychological profile, of course, like, like fucking SVU status, like done on of people who do arson. Uh, that's like their crime of choice, if you will. And there's a broad range of factors that draw people in. Yes. Of course, sometimes it's a fucking, um, you know, vengeful X. Sometimes it's a uh, politically motivated arson. Uh, but many times it's uh, folks that are mentally unstable that seek some sort of attention or they're drawn to like actual pyros drawn to um, uh, an exciting um, event and they want to be a part of it in like Joker status, basically like spread mayhem. Um but yeah, the the 14 number figure, that was just some fucking dude running for attorney general who mentioned 14. Oh, okay. Only four people. Yeah, four people. The facts are four people have been arrested. One of them is um, this guy in Southern Oregon who uh, the only thing that I saw is that he appears to be like a transient um, who's like 41 years old. Um, but yeah, I mean, it makes you wonder like what the fuck compels someone in uh, in a pandemic um, in a historic wildfire to light a match and add literal fuel to the fire. Um, I am curious about that for sure. But the facts remain that as it stands right now, there is no, in any direction, left or right, there is no uh, facts or evidence supporting that there's political motivation or any sort of coordinated ideological motivation, but behind the people that are, are doing it at least. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know we're focusing on Oregon, especially because you're, you live in there. So we have like a man on the ground, 
But I also wonder um, if these, like, same scenarios are being played out in, like, Washington and California, too. Like, um, if some individuals have been arrested for arson and if people are also talking about Antifa. So, so far, I just think Oregon is the main focus with that. But, you know, just for our listeners outside of the states, I mean, pretty much the whole western United States is burning. And as my co-host mentioned, um, Portland kept (laughs) fluctuating between the number one and number two spot for worst air quality in the world. And who was it doing that tango with? Seattle. Um, I think Seattle's now at one, but we had like, you know, I saw the list Mm -hmm. of the top 10. It was like mostly U.S. cities. Um, I think somewhere in India, maybe somewhere in China. Um, And it's just like, like we said in previous episodes, we just can't stop winning, right? Like we have to be number one. (laughs) Truly. In, the, in all the most sinister categories as well, number one. But yeah, to your point, yeah, we're looking at this through an Oregon lens. I can just say anecdotally from someone who's like a news media junkie, the the wildfires in the West from like a couple of years ago and last year and even a fire in eastern Washington last month, that arson is almost always in the mix, right? Because if there isn't a clear like meteorological reason, like a lightning strike or an already known brush fire, um, that, yeah, it actually is, it's kind of spooky, but how common it is for folks to start fires. And sometimes, I mean, we're using arson, imagining like some like person with a face full of Joker makeup throwing a Molotov cocktail at a barn, but like it could literally be like someone being super careless and reckless, right? Uh, For those folks internationally listening who didn't catch this tidbit, this story from last week that a, uh, or maybe it was two weeks ago now, but uh, there was a fucking gender reveal party that where fireworks were used for this gender reveal party that exploded in, you know, caused a gigantic fire and 10 deaths in right. California. So people be real reckless with fire is my, is my point. But yes, with this whole Antifa narrative and Antifa lens in Oregon and in the Portland area specifically, I think that is the climate itself is emboldening folks to connect the dots, right? And we got these Russian troll farm spouting out this shit because they know it's going to stir shit up. It already has, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, plus like Trump, you know, it would only give his whole law and order vibe, um, you know, like make his base crave that more because it'd be like, Oh no, now Antifa's setting our whole state on fire. We need more, more fed goons. So that could be an angle too. Fucking exactly. My thoughts too. So right now Trump is doing like a Western tour of the country. It was actually for his campaign. (laughs) So he's in Nevada. He was in Reno last night. He's in uh, Henderson, which is right next to Las Vegas, Nevada tonight. I believe he's speaking right now, his first indoor rally in since June 20th. So we have thousands of people at an indoor rally for Trump, uh, violating the Nevada state order, which is no more than 50 people. So anyway, that's happening right now. Tomorrow, to your point on the law and order drum beat, right? This law and order re-election message, campaign message, campaign strategy. Um, he's going to California tomorrow. And as we know, 
yes, Portland, yes, Seattle have been uh, targets, if you will, for Trump. But as a, in terms of a place, like a, a state, we know that California is like public enemy number one for Trump, right? Fucking hates California. Always, always raking California through the fucking coals. So to your point, I fucking fully expect dropping a lot of F-bombs. Really fiery with this uh, subject today. Um, but yeah, I totally expect, to my co-host point on Law & Order, that tomorrow, and if not right now today in Nevada, but certainly tomorrow when he's in California, uh, you know he's going to fucking conflate the wildfire uh, emergency with uh, Antifa far left lawlessness. You know, at least there's going to be a signal boost, at least an insinuation, or at least, a, I don't know, some people are saying, but you know, like we fully expect that coming, right? Definitely. Absolutely. So I mentioned the on the ground in the state, these militia style checkpoints, the sheriff's deputy, the fire marshal, this wannabe attorney general, Republican dude in Oregon. So, you know, the consequences, right, related to all of these things, the sheriff's deputy speaking out, the fire marshal, all these like firings, discipline, the shutdowns of these checkpoints, those consequences related to those events are, of course, right, they're used as further evidence that there's some sort of cover-up, right? That the rumor is now more true, right? We see that with QAnon all the time. We see that all the time, specifically now with Twitter and Facebook's content moderation enforcement guidelines, whether it's the warning pop-ups or the full-on removal of posts, that people use that as ammo to be like, see, that proves our fucking point, right? Um, so my point is that it has this vicious cycle we continue to see play out. It just, <laughs> I'm really just leaning into this metaphor today. It adds fuel to the fire, right? It, it's further ammo for folks to embolden them further. Uh, that our voices can't be silenced. This is absolutely true. And folks are trying to gag order us, right? So I mentioned this before a little bit in this Fed Goons out of Portland episode we have, um, just to kind of connect the dots again here. So you know, Antifa has been the scapegoat boogeyman conjuring up the ridiculous rumors, right? About all this far left violence and anarchy in this highly obsessed over battleground city of Portland. Now with this climate crisis afoot that we have this kind of new image, this new iteration of the archetype of an Antifa arsonist uh, is now born, right? To further like wedge, the cultural political divide further inflame tensions and also to boot undermine the very real threat of climate change. Also want to mention too, that it was highly publicized here in Oregon. I don't know if I made the national news, but 45 has also ignored phone calls <laughs> from our governor and from senators here in Oregon. So like literally Kate Brown, our governor called the White House uh, on Wednesday to speak with the commander in chief to get some resources, to get the National Guard mobilized and trained up and more money to get more firefighters on the ground. Keep in mind, we have six helicopters that are in Afghanistan right now that we can't use. And Trump has not picked up the phone <laughs> Straight to, to call now. back Kate Brown. 
six missed calls, no callback. What? <laughs> and you know his what voicemail machine would be like one of those ones where he fakes you out, like you think he actually picked up, but then he's like, ah, oh, oh, gotcha. Uh, I can't do a good impression. Ah, I fucking voice. gotcha. Yeah. I know. I wish I could do one too. No, you're totally right. That's 100% his voicemail message. It's like a fucking hammy, goofy prank. Of He's a walking prank. I mean, of course that's it, right? Um, so like, not to state the obvious, but of course he's ignoring the calls of our governor. Of course he's not mentioning these wildfires. And of course he's dragging his feet through gritted teeth on his way to California tomorrow. Not for a campaign stop, but... Because public pressure is mounting, he has to make an appearance, much like you do at a party that you don't really want to go to. It's like you got to just make a quick appearance. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to help out Oregon. He doesn't want to help out Washington. He doesn't want to help out California. He hates the West Coast. They're all fucking blue states. They don't support him, generally, the states themselves, right? They're not voting for him in the Electoral College. And so he's not, doesn't want to help them fight fires. <laughs> it's, it's that simple. We saw that come up with the whole Kushner thing related to the pandemic, right? He, it was impacting blue states in the Northeast at the beginning of the pandemic. And it was, memos came out that, that well, let's just let it ride out because they are blue states not voting for me. Hey. Um, <laughs> yeah. So... Obviously, you know, he hits the blue states on the West Coast. He's also inept, right? Like, that's why he's not helping. Um, so, you know, this Antifa anarchist story provides convenient cover for him and his um, inaction, right? So, full, as I mentioned, right, like, fully expect this incendiary rhetoric uh, about this whole fucking baseless link between Antifa starting wildfires tomorrow in California to keep this drumbeat of law and order as his, I guess, only potential winning re-election strategy at this point. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just so easy to see this coming, um, whether it is tomorrow in California or just in the coming days and, and week, um, that this whole devastation related to the wildfires throughout the West and all of its very, you know, real impact on families, on communities, on schools. People lost their homes, their livelihood. Um, for all of that trauma and hurt and pain and really raw feeling to be conflated and, and channeled, right, into ire, uh, with the target being the, the so-called violent lawlessness of the left, it's a hotbed of fuckery. <laughs> yeah. Really exhausting the metaphor. A hotbed of fuckery, <clears throat> indeed. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, if you don't mind, you kind of inspired me. Um, I want to talk about the fire from a little bit of a different angle. Um, mm -hmm. And that's from the geoengineering angle. Um, <clears throat> to talk about like maybe why these fires are getting worse, because you spoke a little bit about this, but like, um, you yourself have commented that on the record that, um, since you've lived in Portland, the fire seasons have been getting markedly worse each year, right? That's right. 
Yeah, so maybe that's because of geoengineering. And I think that's something we should uh, dive into fully on a different episode. But just for people who don't know what geoengineering is, um, it supposedly is altering the weather to reduce global warming. But if we want to get on the conspiracy tip um, and take it even further, it's like the the elite, the powers that be, maybe they're profiting both from the problem, global warming, and from the solution. Because um, the Rockefeller Brothers Fund, for example, boasts about being like one of the first major global warming activists, but like there's one big problem with that, right? Like they own all the oil. They are big oil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are part of the problem. And so, yeah, why are these fires getting worse? Well, I'll tell you my theory. Um, But first, I started reading this book. I think uh, people should check it out if they're interested on this topic. But it's called Geoengineering by James W. Lee. And just some of the points on the back, um, it just tells you what geoengineering is in a good way. So it's basically altering weather worldwide. So my co-host mentioned our episode... um, collective synchronicity and also mention now how typhoons were affecting our weather here and that's all factual and true but perhaps geoengineering is behind it and is being like we're all globally being played in a way um so supposedly geoengineering is being used for wireless mind control it poisons our air water soil and destroys our uv radiation shield but i want to talk to you real quick about chemtrails because um from what i've heard about like geoengineering supposedly that's part of what's making the fires worse um Hmm. but so also i just want to mention like bill gates of course has a hand in all of this like he has some initiative called silver lining where he's basically increasing the cloud cover um basically wants to block out the sun no big deal no big deal and i also just want to mention that geoengineering is fueling our catastrophic climate feedback and that's supposedly because um we've ruined our um our weather system and all weather is manufactured at this point. But how do chemtrails connect to the fire? Um, well, chemtrails are like aerosol dispersions, aerosol dispersions um, for radiation management, allegedly. But they have all these heavy metals in them, uh, aluminum, formaldehyde, um, and the Hopi people, um, indigenous people of I believe Arizona. I might have to fact check that. Um, They had this quote that always stuck with me. And it's like near the end, near the day of purification, there will be cobwebs spun in the sky. And it's often said that these chemtrails represent those cobwebs. Um, And I'm going to connect this to the fires. Don't worry. But I just have to explain to people who don't know what chemtrails are because it connects Um, So again, chemtrails put out this like smart dust. You can also look into Morgellons disease, um, which is supposedly from those tiny smart dust particles of metal getting into people's skin and bloodstream as they fall down from the sky and causing something called Morgellons disease. 
Um, just so you people know how dangerous geoengineering is, a scientist at Harvard, Harvard who's really into it is David Keith. And he said, by the way, it's not really a moral hazard fucking with the weathered. He's like, it's more like free riding on our grandkids. So these fucks don't even care what will happen to their own grandkids. Like, they don't mm. care about keeping the world. I think they care about, you know, maximizing the most profits for them right now so they can live maybe a hedonistic life where you have everything you ever want and don't care about what's to come. Um, he also confirmed, like, geo and ozone loss is a side effect. Um, the atmosphere is man-made. But, yeah, why do chemtrails connect with the fires, um, that could be for two reasons. One, because it disrupts the hyd the hydrological cycle. And this has been going on since, um, the late forties. And again, like there's a lot, there's a lot that's publicly checked out. And then there's also some conspiracy that I'm telling you as well. But, um, the rain is like a saturated with aluminum and these other heavy metals and that pours down to like the forest floor that increases the chance of lightning going up, which we know can lead to fires. But also all those metals um, are really flammatory. So my co-host was saying like, it's especially weird about Oregon because it's like a rainforest there and Washington too. And there are fires, but like you said, it's usually in like a different part of the state, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, so it's it's really fucked up. So, you know, those chemtrails might be leading leading to it in that way. And I also heard of something called the Ridiculous Resilient Ridge, um, which is basically this name scientists have given, like, you know, I think parts of California, Oregon, and Washington. And it's been supposedly geoengineered to be a high pressure heat dome because you were kind of talking about a heat dome a little bit well this is supposedly on purpose um a high pressure heat dome to make the disasters worse and they control the flow of r rain this is also happening in portugal and spain too um and the humidity has been decreasing since the late 1940s so it's really fucked up. Um, I think we should do an, more of an episode into this some other time. But yeah, there's all these tools I just people can look up if they're interested. Look into Nexrad and Doppler because all of these are supposedly like... Now I'm only saying supposedly because what is conspiracy is we don't... We can't like prove if this is um, being geoengineered as a weapon, right? Um, and that's because, of course, just like just like what we talked about with Shadowgate, um, our government works with all of these aeronautical um, contractors. So that's their legal loophole for being able to do things that if they were just, you know, being forward as the government would not be able to get away with this shit. Um, supposedly like NASA's involved with this and the National Weather Service and NOAA, people who work there are under illegal gag orders. They cannot talk about what they do there. 
Um, and yeah, I guess I lost my train of thought before, so let me go back about the Nexrad and Doppler. Those are radio frequencies. And we hear about like Doppler, right? Like Doppler radar on the weather and stuff like that. But these are radio frequencies that are used to steer and control the weather. And we also know that winds have been a huge part of what's making these fires worse. Well, that's also supposedly geoengineered. You could look into HARP, H-A-A-R-P, that's microwave frequencies to control the weather. Cloud seeding, which been, has been done since 1945. Um, look into Weather War 101 on YouTube. Um, they went into something, the Thomas Fire, which I think happened in California in 2017. Also similar situation with the winds making it worse. Well, when you look at the NOAA GOES satellite, you know, it kind of proves that it's not normal weather. It's just not. So... It's really strange. There's no regulatory structure with geoengineering. Um, people like Gates have a hand in it. And like I said, supposedly NASA helps create the rain at will with something called a WSAC, a wet surface air cooler tech, um, which basically generates clouds of hydrogen and oxygen. Uh, NASA, and this is in Mississippi, they have over 125,000 acres where this wet surface air cooler tech, basically a rain machine, um, lives. And they bought out, paid off all the other people who lived in this town so that they could have these 125,000 acres. So it's like, and this is not a conspiracy. That's a fact. And we know that they can create rain. Why can't they do that over the West Coast right now? And this might seem stupid to someone who really doesn't understand geoengineering, but like, why can't they do it? They have the technology to steer the weather. They have the technology to make the rain. Um, and yeah, it just makes you think like, why? <sighs> well, you have to go back to the New World Order, right? And some areas are going to have to be climate sacrifices, um, I personally think global warming is happening, but I think, again, the problem and solution are being manufactured by the same people. And we as people are always meant to feel like, oh, it's our fault. It's the individual consumer's fault. It's our fossil foot footprint and this and that. It's like, no, why don't the big kahunas get held accountable? Um, so supposedly some areas like the ones that are on fire are meant to be climate changes or climate sacrifices so that, um, forwards the new world order agenda of population control and would also justify geoengineers to, um, lower the temperature in other parts of the world and, with toxic cool downs, which will fuck up more people. Um, so yeah, what do you think about that? <laughs> kind of fringe, but like when you told me you wanted to go deep into the fires, I just thought of this. No, I, I totally appreciate all that. Like a few points, stepping back like, you know, 50, 60 years, all of these fossil fuel companies had knowledge, had clear knowledge that mega fires were on the horizon. They predicted them clearly, forecasted what was to come. So the things that my co-host has rattled off, 
absolutely worth looking into. But the big picture takeaway for me is, yeah, there's big money in all this shit, right? Just with like the pharmaceutical industry, right? You create the solution, you create the problem, you monetize both, you commodify both, right? To stay in power for sure. Uh, There's a lot of fuckery going on. And it's, again, we both of us 100% believe in in climate change uh but this is a very complicated territory because there are lots of shadowy figures in power uh making money off of not only the future infrastructure of like floating cities and barricades and all this stuff but all of the other things that my co-host is uh is mentioning uh but the debate is i think it's oversimplified on the left and it's oversimplified on the right. Apparently, as we've been recording in his Nevada speech, uh, Trump attributed all of the fires uh, to a strictly forest management issue, which has been the drumbeat on the right, that the left doesn't want to, uh, you know, maintain forests properly and land use issues. And like, that is one part of the issue, right? But uh, there's, of course, big money behind all this shit. One recent example this past week on a campaign stop in Florida, Trump called himself a great environmentalist, lol. Uh, but that comes on, <laughs> classic, that comes on the heels. You mentioned Noah. Uh, for those folks who missed this, a longtime climate science denier uh, was just hired for a top position at NOAA. So his name is David Legates. Uh, and for those who don't know what NOAA is, uh, it's the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, big governmental body. And so he's going to be the Assistant Secretary of Commerce and Observation and Prediction. So certainly uh, one of our, our big themes in this podcast is is climate change and, of course, big, powerful interests in, in industries. So we definitely want to continue to unpack this um, in, in future episodes. But um, for any folks doubting the existence of some of these technologies, like China has had this for a long time. Uh, fucking... I mean, to grossly oversimplify fucking cannons that go into the sky that manipulate weather. Like all of this shit has been around for a long time. So to think that with all these governmental contracts, the federal government has with like Lockheed Martin and all these aviation companies uh, in Oregon, by the way, is a big, um, uh, big provider of like drone technology, aviation technology for the military, for the federal government. If you don't think that there is some technology out there that can uh, (laughs) better um, adapt, adjust, manipulate in some ways uh, the the weather, uh, I think you're uh, a bit foolish because the technology does certainly exist. Did they play a role in this past week's uh, fire emergency in Oregon? I... I don't know. I doubt it in this particular case, but big picture, thinking globally of all the things going on, um, you have to wonder. I'm curious about that, uh, whose hands are in what pies on this front, because there's a lot of a lot of big money involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can't say for sure if, if this is an instance of geoengineering, but um, like I said, I do know for sure they can make rain, so... <laughs> they need they need um that technology all over if it can't if it can't reach where the fires are now 
well, when the fires are done, build one over there so that we can use this technology for our advantage. What a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you all for joining us uh, today. Keep your eyes and ears peeled for tomorrow, Trump's visit to California. And uh, we'll catch you next time. I'm sure we'll have a whole host of fuckery and shenanigans to unpack on our next episode. Yup. Catch you on the flip side. And as always, email us with any any shade, any tea, any conspiracy at shocktherapypodcast at yahoo.com, the number one provider for email. All right, y'all. Take care. Bye.